Welcome back, Dr. Jones. How you been doing? I've been doing okay. Good. You know, the weather is uh, in the middle of a beautiful turnaround. It is great. Uh, my vehicle is in need of a turnaround from all of the salt and the yes. And the, uh, the I don't know if I don't know if you've ever had this before, but uh, I guess I didn't have the winter blend of the uh, windshield washer stuff in okay. there, and it blew yeah. out one of my uh, oh, lines. Yes. Oh, all that's right. annoying in this yeah. weather. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a black truck. It's currently uh, grayish white at this point right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, hey, it's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11, we're here talking about your health. My name is Michael Jones. I got Eric Beto Robert running the board over there. My mom cringes every time you say that. <laughs> I get a text <laughs> <Very> message. <good. laughs> yeah. Okay. But that's okay. That's Sorry, not a, no, that's not a reason to not say it. No. It becomes a theme of the show. Hey, I, she shouldn't cringe. She's the one that named you that. That's right. That's right. So sorry, mom. That's just it's all on her, actually. <laughs> and we have one of our favorite yeah. guests. It's always a good week when I look in my email mailbox midweek, and <laughs> yep. Dr. Harvey has emailed the entire layout for the show. It's like I'm just going to kick back. And That's right. Dr. Steve Harvey is here to tell us about. Uh, we're we're, we're yeah. going to dive into what exactly? Catatonia. Catatonia. Yes. Which yes. is not a wine mixer. Uh, That's the, not the catatonia. It's the, not the Catatonia the, the wine mixer. That's a Catatonia <laughs> wine mixer, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, Dr. Steve Harvey from Greenbrook TMS. Thanks so much for coming back on. Frequent guest, uh, claim to fame is TMS, uh-huh. which is transcranial mm-hmm. magnetic stimulation mm-hmm. treatment for refractory depression and anxiety. A refractory depression, depression and recently also for OCD. OCD. There you go. Good. Very. I thought of you, Dr. Harvey. Oh, did you actually in this last week? Yeah. Um, not because you're coming on the show. Have you guys watched Stranger Things? Yes, oh, yeah. I have. Yeah, you know they're yeah. doing a lot. Of, there's, yeah. there's whenever they're doing the science experiments and they've got the uh, the head shocking going on, and oh, yeah, yeah. that's clearly not what you do. But I was like, <laughs> oh, look, there's a. I think that's where TMS got its start, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Back in Hawkins, Indiana, and yeah, mid, that's mid, right, that's right, in the mid eighties. Like yeah, yeah. Actually, TMS is a much more humane treatment for refractory depression compared to uh, shock therapy or... Yeah, yeah. Not merely merely humane, actually. Well... (laughs) Net net good. Yeah, well, well, let's say it's office-based, doesn't require uh, the anesthesia, you can get right back on your feet. Yes. Um, Even though we we make fun of, quote-unquote, shock therapy, it still has... (laughs) It Uti- still has its place. Utility, yeah. right, for sure. sure. Yeah, right. Sure What's yeah. absolutely amazing when you as as the science has developed around this, seeing, you know, how in your field, mm-hmm. Dr. Harvey, the understanding of how to manipulate these electrical forces to actual positive ends for patients. It, yeah. It's I mean, when you think of the science behind it, it's right. unbelievable. It's mind awesome it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did we say? It really is, right? I mean, is, think yeah. about it. we just we don't know. A lot. Yeah. We don't, right. But we know if you manipulate certain things in certain regions of the brain, for some reason, you get these results. Yes. Yeah. Pretty yeah. amazing. It's Pretty great, amazing stuff. stuff. Yeah. And it, what the other thing I think is interesting in your field, psychiatry, is um, at least when I was in my training, and I'm guessing for 200 years prior, um, 
your field was very not procedure oriented, more medicine oriented or very much so you know, right yeah. talking and, and now we're finding out there are procedures that can be done yes that don't require shocking someone's brain mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that can have great results yes it's just it's just interesting right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's things are evolving so dr harvey also comes in and debunks uh uh, or, or explains in more layman's terms these uh, psychiatric conditions that have entered the general lexicon. We have covered bipolar and schizophrenia and OCD. We've covered covered all almost all of them, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's nice to have some of these things explained because there's always these common misconceptions. A lot of these terms have entered, uh, you know, our vocabulary from TV and, mm-hmm. and shows, and you don't we don't really understand them. We talk about them, but it's nice having you come on and debunk them. So today. We're going to be talking about catatonia. There you go. <laughs> the, not the wine mixer. Yeah, not yeah. the wine mixer. Yeah. You could talk yeah. about that, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't know much about it. <laughs> that's a stepbrother's reference. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a little Very esoteric. Okay. <laughs> um, hey, but before we do that, I want to throw a couple of things. This was, we, we did not prepare for this. Yeah. First of all, both of us... As opposed to the rest of the show. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, we prepared for the rest of the show. But uh, both myself and Dr. Harvey, medical doctors, went to medical schools. You'd say we kind of have science-y backgrounds. One would think. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw this science thing at you and Mm -hmm. see what you think. All right. All right. Today is Groundhog's Day. It is. Yes. And I watched the Groundhog Ceremony this morning. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Busy Saturday. (laughs) And the Groundhog, Puxitani Phil. Yep. Which is like his big creature. Yeah. Have you ever seen the groundhog? Yeah. I mean, he's yes. like big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's well fed. Yeah. He said uh-huh. that we're going to have an early spring. He did. An early spring. Yeah. So as a, as a fellow scientist, quote unquote scientist, <laughs> is that more or less accurate than like, uh, you know, with all the meteorologists, with all the radar and the stuff? What, Th- what do you That's think? your formal question? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my questions. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, this yeah. thing's been going on for like what, 150 yeah. years or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're, do we do we really accept that the groundhog I, is an accurate predictor of weather patterns? Yeah, I, I I I certainly have an opinion. My my <laughs> I I would think the groundhog probably has uh, zero predictive value. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, approximately zero. Give or take. Zero? zero? Give or zero. take. Give it some yeah. credit. I, I give it no credit. No, no yeah. not even like one. No, not I, So they, he picked he picked uh-huh. spring this time. Yeah. 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 He has only picked spring 19 times in like 150 years. You would think yeah. if this yeah. was a random flip of the coin and Mr. Yeah. Groundhog had no predictive ability, it would be uh-huh. 50-50 over 150 years. I don't think assuming, years yeah. isn't that big of a sample. Assuming that there's no... That they're not setting this up somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that they right, know it's yeah. going to be a nice warm weekend after an Arctic <laughs> blast, and maybe now would be a good year for... Right, I'm know. making right. some assumptions yeah. here. <laughs> now, yeah. it also, I thought it was, as, as a scientist, I've looked into this, I thought he came out of his home, <laughs> if he saw his shadow and went back in, yeah. that more, meant more winter. Right? I mean, is that yeah, what you guys thought? That's what I always that's assumed would be thought, the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then he, he comes out and he doesn't see his shadow and he walks around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then it's going to be He's cool with it. Yeah. That's not yeah. what happened on the thing today. What I happened? Saw, he came out and they had these little pieces of paper there and he kind of nudged one and then they picked it up and read it and it said spring. Wait, he, he like. Oh, it's not the shadow? No. Did, oh. There's papers involved. I didn't know yes, there's paperwork. There's little scrolls of paper and they had them there and they put the thing. The, Groundhog there, and uh-huh. he sniffed around. 
What if they just like have a notarized signature on one or they something? Like, to it was make like a sure. scroll. They yeah. like unscrolled it and read it. What if they put like food on the spring one so he would pick? Well, what if they just had all the scrolls <laughs> yeah. say that it was going to be spring? Oh, so no matter which one he picked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Who's making the scrolls right. here? Okay. Yeah. So that was yeah. one question. We did not prep for that, by the way. I just wondered. <laughs> so Dr. Harvey says zero predictive valid, va- uh, validity of the groundhog. Just a guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. All right. All right. You know, uh, and I know we're running up against commercials, so I'm gonna this is a loaded question. But in general, I'm I Eric. Would you say I'm always more for government intervention or less for government? I'm gonna go in the less. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's a uh, subtle distinction with you. There but is I, a push yeah. now, and I just I really want to get Dr. Harvey's opinion as a psychiatrist here. Yeah. There is a push to maybe have Congress ban smartphone use in children because of safety reasons. Oh. And I, <laughs> um, I just don't, I mean, you know, and their argument was, was, well, we banned, you know, cigarette use in children once all the data came out. And now we don't even, you know, we didn't even question that. Now you look back and you would laugh at that. But do we really go to the next step of banning smartphone use in kids? Or is there some level of parental responsibility where you need to be limiting their exposure? But here's what they said. It's yeah. highly addictive. It is. And it's, they say it's harmful for these kids' health. What say you, Doctor? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got about twenty seconds before we go to commercial break. Got <laughs> it. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'll, lay I'll, into this social commentary yeah, here. <laughs> will do. Uh, I'm not that convinced it's harmful. I think if it's uh, if the kids are really into it, it's because it's highly engaging. I think it, uh, you know, the, some some aspects of it stimulates them into thinking about things that previous generations didn't think about. So from what I know so far, I would. Uh, I mean. Parents should put reasonable limits on it, but uh, now uh, oh, a yeah. ban sounds out. Well, that's over, what I thought over too, the right? last few years, we we've, we've talked about this regularly we've, on the multiple show. Multiple times, yeah. yeah. The the uh, uh, Apple's really been at the head of this, but others are others are coming up as well with really great as a parent, yeah, really great tools to be able to limit screen time, limit the nature of screen screen time, which which apps and you know which. But do you know why apps? this is coming t- this week? Some former Apple engineer, and I can't find his name. We can Google yeah. his name. He's like doesn't work at Apple anymore. I'm sure. sure he's cashed out all his stock options. He's now saying that they're not doing enough, and he's yeah. the one that's making this push to legislators to I, I, legislate. I, I think that um, it's possible to agree with that person that the not just Apple specifically, but the broader technology needs to do more in this area. But if you need them to do more. Um, regulating it into illegality is a good way to get them to stop any innovation there. You're just going to, you know, that's just, just throwing in the towel with the very whole thing with that is just like anything else. Where does it end? Yeah. Yeah. In right. smartphones and technology, they're tools at the end of the day. They are. You can yeah. definitely hammer a nail in with them. Yeah. All right. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Dr. Steve Harvey from Greenbrook TMS. Check out his website, greenbrooktms.com. While we're on break, we come back. We're going to have more eye on health after these words. The Catatonia Wine Festival, right? <laughs> He's a slave driver, Dr. Harvey. That's right. I wasn't much of a first commercial. On the air. All right. All right, folks. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11, we're talking about your health care. We've got favorite guest, Dr. Steve Harvey from Greenbrook TMS on, always debunking myths. And today we're going to be talking about a condition, catatonia. Yes. Uh, okay. So let me just reach back into my uh, brain. Uh-huh. I'm going to pretend like I'm in medical school. I was not dressed in a KKK outfit in medical school, by the way. <laughs> hey, w- mark you know, this one so not for replay. Gonna, yeah, this yeah. is all for replay. Gonna, <laughs> right. 
First of all, though, just one quick comment. Again, as another right. medical doctor, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think my medical school had a yearbook. Yeah, mine but didn't. by the time yeah. you're graduating medical school, yeah. this is not youthful indiscretion anymore. You're a doctor. Right. You're probably 25, 26 years old yes. at this point. Kind of like an adult. Yeah. It's yeah. basically <laughs> basically the same as Judge Kavanaugh in his grade school no, yearbook, right? I mean, like this yeah, is way different. Basically this the is, same thing. No, I mean, no. But do you see that? That's what's that's that's like the contrast that's being drawn here. Here you I have. Know, someone... I understand. I'm just saying, oh, people yeah, that are yeah. saying this is a youthful indiscretion. We were, you're adults, right? I mean, right. You're, you may be married at the time. You may have, you're a, right. you are a full grown person. Yes. <laughs> you right, you right. have cemented in your brain. You are, yes. after these yearbook was released, he was a doctor. Yes. Right? Because this was a scene. So. Yeah, anyway, just right. it's on TV right over Dr. Harvey's do, head. Do you think I couldn't yeah. comment on it. There was a KKK man right above Dr. Harvey's right. head. I, how am I supposed <laughs> to not comment on what that? What is Look. Uh, the Virginia governor's uh, <laughs> yeah. probability of becoming catatonic <laughs> due to this? Yeah, I'm going to say 90 percent at this point. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough of that. Yeah. Catatonia. I'm reaching back into my medical school head. Uh-huh. I saw patients or patient at least with yeah. this. Yeah. It's very strange. Yes. Because these people are, they're not in a coma. Right, right. They are awake, Mm -hmm. but they just, they're like statues. Yes. So what is going on with that? Yes, yeah. And we don't, the the condition is still fairly mysterious. Um, It's it's a condition that's found, I I think what's fascinating about it is it kind of lives on that borderline between, uh, between psychiatry and neurology, where people with uh, you know, severe psychiatric illness or even some neurological illnesses all have this same syndrome that we call catatonia. And uh, the symptoms are just really striking. You know, one of them is, is what you described, which is, you know, they're, they're fully awake but not moving. Um, another really striking symptom is something that we call uh, waxy flexibility, where, you know, they're, they're still, but you can, you can take their arm and move it and it'll stay in that position. You, you can Move them around and bend them like a like wow. a like a Ken doll or a GI Joe doll, they'll, and they'll stay in that position for hours. They'll just stay there, even pre- if it damages their muscles. They'll it, just stay there. And, and presumably, those are symptoms that one could not fake. Yes, absolutely. I mean the the level right. of consistency that you would have to not respond and hold still. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it would be impossible to do this on purpose. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Do yeah. they blink? Uh, they. They do blink, not a whole lot. Okay, so their eye, they don't get corneal exposure from just, you know, staring. They do blink. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. They, they do blink. Yeah. And and they're breathing on their own. Yes. Is yes. their respiratory rate much decreased or is it a normal respiratory rate? For, for the most part, it's a normal respiratory rate. There There is something called um, malignant catatonia where they have uh, instability of their vital signs, including breathing and can sometimes get muscle rigidity which can interfere with breathing and sometimes require admission to the intensive care unit. So, 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 that, so that's it can get subject. bad enough that you actually have to start breathing for them. Yes, yes. For, and, that, and, and that complication is rare. Okay. But it sure can. You, you might, not, not to get too esoteric for the listeners, but for Dr. Jones here, I don't know if hey, you Hey, I'm a very esoteric man. <laughs> that's right. I mean, look that's at right. Your middle name is esoteric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you might remember for like When he gets elective... esoteric, I get beta? What yes. <laughs> okay, that's on your parents. That's on your parents. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't know if you remember neuroleptic malignant syndrome from medical school. Of course, right. Of course yeah. he does. That's my yeah. favorite yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite of all the syndrome. syndromes, it was, all, it was one yeah. of my favorites. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't my 
my top ten <laughs> yeah, too. So, right, sure. so um, yeah, so malignant catatonia is similar to that. Is it usually tied to some sort of um, physical malady or an infection, or or is it literally can malignant catatonia be purely the result of psychiatric symptoms? Uh, usually, purely the result of of a psychiatric illness. Unbelievable. Yes. Okay, so. Um, does this come on? Is it rapid onset? Do they, or you know, are they slowly develop into a state of catatonia? Um, you know, what what is the typical presenting? Uh, I guess what is the length of time for someone to get this? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it usually happens in someone with um, a fairly severe psychiatric illness. Okay, and um, a lot of times they seem, a lot of times, it, you know, it happens when someone has been doing poorly for a while. So it seems to arise while they're in the hospital, typically. They're, they're doing poorly, they're admitted to the hospital, and then after they're in the hospital, they, you know, they stop moving, they stop, start having these statue-like symptoms, and, and some of the other, you know, like strange posturing and things like that. And when that. you're saying hospitalized, that means they have a severe depressive episode... Or a schizophrenic break or something, and the medicines you're giving them as an outpatient aren't working. Correct, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Do we have any uh, knowledge of whether all of these psychotropic medicines we're pumping in to treat their psychiatric condition, does that lead to this? Or has this condition been around before we had these current medicines? Oh, yeah, for, for sure the, condition, the condition's been around before we had our current medicines. Okay, so the medicines themselves don't cause this. Correct. So you don't go and give someone a bunch of Thorazine. Right. And you can't, it's not going to make them have catatonia. Exactly. Right. And and of course there, there is some overlap because medicines like Thorazine can cause some muscle stiffness, but it's really not that hard to tell the two apart. They look very different. Do do people, um, is it, like a break where you just enter into a catatonic state and then you're in it? Or is this something that people start to show symptoms and then it devolves and then they're, they're officially catatonic 24 seven? Yeah. I mean the, the, the ones I've seen, usually they, they start to show some more mild symptoms of catatonia then pretty soon after that they're. So they it's a pretty quick descent. Fairly quick yeah. descent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And when you say mild symptoms, they can like be sitting in a chair and they're awake but they're just not responding to anything that's around them. Right, yeah. Just just fully awake but stuporous. Or, stuporous, yeah, yes, right. Okay, or, yeah. Or not talking or, or just barely Does moving. Does it count if they're playing with a smartphone and they're a child? <laughs> uh, maybe they're on to something with this. Maybe so, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, is this there a, are resemblances. Yeah. Is this an end stage of psychiatric disease or, or not? Uh, it it, it kind of looks like it is, so it might be. I mean, uh, the... The one interesting thing about catatonia is that a lot of different psychiatric illnesses can result in catatonia, even though all these different illnesses that I'm thinking of are, are very different from each other. So we would we would not really expect them to all have this one symptom that it can cause, but it does. So, sure. so it's kind of like a severe, whether it's severe schizophrenia, severe depression, severe bipolar disorder. Uh, and also a few neurological conditions like encephalitis or Wilson's disease or things like that can occasionally sure. also uh, cause catatonia. Are, are those the, really, is that the kind of the list of pathways uh, that potentially result in catatonia? Or are there other more, you know, less directly linked to psychiatric illnesses and neurological symptoms? Or is that, that kind of the list? The, uh, there's the, that's the, yeah, that's a partial list. There are yeah. other things too that in rare cases can, can lead to catatonia. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, 
Well, now I lost my train of thought. Choo-choo. Uh, maybe I'm becoming yeah, I was going to say, are you going <laughs> to you, you keep talking to us, Dr. Jones? Hang with us. Oh, here. I don't want to say. treatment for that. Um, so I don't want to gloss over. We yeah. may think that um, it's not surprising that schizophrenia and depression and, and OCD and all these things may end up with catatonia because we may think those are all related or similar. Hmm. They're really only related and similar because they're in your specialty. Oh, right. Cause as, as you have explained to us, multiple, there are those, a lot of those things are on completely different yeah. mechanisms of cause, especially when you compare something like schizophrenia and depression, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's really yeah. no, um, yeah. brain pathway reason that makes them the similar diseases. So it's interesting that they yeah. would both have catatonia as a potential problem. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's what does. There's one of these things yes. which just doesn't make sense if, yeah. you, if you think about it. So. Different. Great. Yeah. So, hey, when we come back, let's talk about what are some of the features of it. Because there's a, there's a list of features, right? Yeah. Yeah. Psychiatry, they give you a list and you got to have like two or three of them. That's how they make their diagnoses. And then let's talk treatment, too. Okay, folks, when we come back, stay awake. Don't go catatonic on us. We'll have more Eye on Health after these words. All right. Welcome back. You know, we were having a good discussion. You there. were having a good discussion. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for ruining that. Too good. It was off the air. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Most of the good ones are off the yeah. air, right? <laughs> All right, folks. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11, we're here on 97.1 FM News Talk. Hey, what's the app where you can, like, stream? I always get it yeah, wrong. Radio.com. Oh, well, that was, that's easy enough. How do I keep getting that yeah. wrong? Uh, with Radio.com on your phone, mm-hmm. you can stream this live. It's not the podcast. That's it's right. streaming live. Now, if you want to go back and listen to the podcast, you can do that as well. But if you want to, like, hear it live, there's mm-hmm. nothing like hearing it live, right? That's right. We'll do it live. We'll do it. <laughs> yes, we'll do it live. Just like Bill O'Reilly said. That's right. We'll do it live. Okay. Hey, back in studio, we've got Dr. Steve Harvey from Greenbrook TMS. Check out his website, GreenbrookTMS.com has got great information about what his practice does, including TMS yes, <laughs> and all yes. the other things. Um, hey, along the lines of TMS, today we're talking about catatonia, uh-huh. and we're going to start getting into some of the treatments for that. I'm guessing TMS, at least at this juncture, plays no role in treating something this severe, or has it been tried? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, no one's ever tried TMS for catatonia. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I wouldn't really expect it to work for catatonia, but who knows? But yeah, yeah, currently no connection between TMS and catatonia. So what we were talking about at the end of the first break is what is catatonia, and it's uh, mm-hmm. um, you know you're just kind of, you're awake. Yes, you're just not responding to your environment, or you're you know you you're holding poses for hours and hours somehow. Right. Yes. So what are some of the classic features of catatonia? Because normally in your profession, they give you a list of certain things. A person can have, and if they have X number on the list, then you diagnose. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the and the really technical definition of catatonia. I yes. Mean, the, the technical definition is there's this list of twelve symptoms, and if you have three of them, then it counts as catatonia. Okay. All that, right. That, that's the gist of the definition. Okay. So, uh, and I, you know, it's kind of, I won't go through all twelve because some of them are kind of boring. But the but the really interesting ones, I, I think the most interesting one is is. The one we call waxy flexibility. That's the where you can pose them, right? And you, they and they'll hold it. Yeah, they'll hold that pose. So kind of like a kind of like a Barbie doll. You can just move the arm, and they'll stay in that position. That's crazy. From what I remember, it, they gradually come back. 
they, to, sometimes, to, yeah. to neutral because, well, if yeah. you think about it, yeah. these muscles have to expend energy to hold a shape, right? Yes. And at yeah. some point they're going to burn burn through. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's one of them. We've talked about that stupor. We've kind of talked about that. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh, um, uh, posturing, which you say is maintaining a posture against gravity. Yes. Yes. Sort of uh, getting into a weird position and I, I, it's radio, so I can't really show it to you, but, but uh, yeah, getting into an odd position and keeping that. Imagine pose. the Heisman trophy pose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that. So they would hold that. They would hold that for, for hours. Hours. Yes. <laughs> For a very long time, and sometimes go from one posture to another in kind of a, a strange, bizarre way, and that's a very common feature. Do they respond to painful stimuli? Uh, well, l- luckily we, we haven't tried that a whole lot with them because well, even like a <laughs> yeah. uh, you know a yeah. sternal rub or something, you know, to see you know right, not not much, not much. They're 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 pretty unaware of their surroundings and. Yeah, because if you think they're holding that position, so probably their muscles are very sure. sore. And it's, well, sure, they, yeah, and that doesn't bother them holding that position. Wow. At all, yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay, uh, so what is the, is this a very common thing, or surely this is pretty rare? Yeah, I th- it's it's fairly common in oh. inpatient psychiatry, okay. at least the all more, right. but I think it's, and and this point is actually controversial. I mean, I think what what I've seen is, you know, I know that in the past, and, you know, the in the 1950s and 1960s, you know, what I've been told is you can go to a psychiatry floor and maybe a third of the patients are holding bizarre positions or they're immobile or whatever. So in decades ago, uh, one third very of common. one third of inpatient psychiatric patients. Yes. Could be classified as catatonic in the 1950s. Is that the controversial yes. statement? That's. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's wasn't wasn't sure if that was controversial or, or because yes. I'm guessing now got, it's not relative a, to yeah. all the controversy we discussed in the first segment. <laughs> it just feels <laughs> like uh, saw, I wasn't yeah. going to comment on it, but it was like right above his head on that TV. You know, I mean, yeah. I, um, okay. Yeah. So one third of page. It's clearly so, not that now. Right. Yeah. We, we we don't we don't think it's like that now. So there there are two different ideas. I mean, one. The, the idea that I most agree with is that catatonia really used to be more common in the past mm-hmm. and that, you know, because catatonia is the result of, you know, chronic untreated psychiatric illness, you know, we started inventing medicines that actually worked in the 50s and 60s. Sure. Soon after that, the incidence of catatonia appeared to decline. So probably it's because, you know, even though we have a lot of people who are still doing poorly now, mm-hmm. they're probably doing less poorly than they were in the 50s and 60s. Just because, you know, if the medicine makes them 20% better, maybe that's enough to prevent catatonia. So I think it's less common. Uh, the other the other idea that's out there uh, that a lot of people believe is some people say, no, you know, catatonia is just as common now as it was back then. We're just not as good as identifying it. You know, some people say nowadays psychiatrists are way too wrapped up in uh you know, listening to what the patient says or, you know, listening to the patient's history and not wrapped up enough in looking at the patient. It seems like and, and a, identifying mild. Yeah. Uh, this I would think this, catatonia, yeah. though. Is, How do you miss this one? Yeah. Like like if, <laughs> yeah. if the if the patient's able to talk their way out of your catatonia, you know, right. prognosis, yeah. one seems that by definition, they're not catatonic. <laughs> one would think. Yeah. yeah one would think. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe I, I guess some people could could. Uh, give a much wider interpretation of some of the symptoms, like sure. they're moving a lot less or they're talking a lot less. 
maybe in the olden days they'd say, oh, that that's catatonia. And nowadays we'd say, no, they're just not talking much. Yeah. Uh, so, so I can kind of have some sympathy for that position. But I'm I'm in I'm in with the people who say it's just less common now than it used to be. Yeah, we uh, we have better <clears throat> treatments. You're treating these people earlier. Yes. Right. Right. Um, right. They're not going maybe 30 years of having untreated yeah. misfiring neurons in their brain. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that seems to make more sense to me. Yeah. Almost as much sense as a groundhog picking uh, whether there's going to be six <laughs> more weeks of <laughs> <Yeah>. winter. <laughs> right. As long as it's not a catatonic groundhog. That's right. <laughs> uh, he was kind of wiggly. Yeah. But then again, there was like a thousand people and he's this big furry animal. Did he have I waxy mean, I, flexibility? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was wiggly. He was not waxy flex. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Dr. Harvey. We've got this problem with their patients catatonic. Yeah. What do you do for them? Yeah, uh, a few things to do. You know, one of the important things is, is if someone has catatonia, uh, one of the most common outcomes of that is, uh, you know, like when someone doesn't move for a long time, they can get blood clots in their sure. legs. Yeah. And get a pull. So I've I've seen uh, wasn't wasn't my patient, thank goodness, but I have seen uh, one or two patients die from pulmonary emboli because of catatonia. So, so catatonia is potentially fatal. So it is treatable though. Treatable. Yes, yeah. it's treatable. So, so, so partly it's just support to make sure that bad things like that aren't happening to them. You know, are they getting fluid? Are they getting nutrition? Are you preventing uh, blood clots that can go to their lungs? Uh, but the other part of it is, um, you know, treating the underlying condition. If they have schizophrenia, treat their schizophrenia, et cetera. Um, Another treatment, and there's two other things. So another treatment that intuitively doesn't make sense, but it does work, is is Ativan, which is lorazepam. And for those of you who don't know it, that's a medicine that's similar to Valium. It's just an anti-anxiety medicine or like a sedative. But uh, that brings people, at least temporarily, brings people out of catatonia. Right. And we were discussing this off air. It doesn't make sense to me yeah. that someone is catatonic, so you load them up with Ativan or uh, you know Valium, and uh, to me, you'd put yeah. them more more to sleep. But for some yeah. reason, that wakes them up. Yes, and these right. people can tolerate rather large doses of these things. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they seem to be able to tolerate weirdly yeah. large doses yeah. and just huh. stick with that. Yeah. So, so then the other question is, what is going on in these people's if, for their brain activity? If you run an EEG, um, which is measuring brain activity on someone that's catatonic. What does it show? Are the brain waves like depressed, like they're almost, uh, you know, no activity? Or is it hyperactive or is it completely normal? Yeah, in catatonia, it's, it's completely normal or there's no, there's no abnormalities that we can find with a normal EEG. And not talking about malignant catatonia, I'm talking about regular. Are there any other vital sign disruption? You said the respiratory rate's normal. How about their heart rate? Is it, is it slow or is it normal? Yeah, usually those things are normal. Except for that small percentage of people who have the malignant catatonia. They can have wild swings in their heart rate and their blood pressure and things like that. Temperature swings, too. Temperature, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yes. All right. yes. What's, uh, you know, maybe an educated guess, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, uh-huh. of the actual prevalence of people becoming pat- catatonic in the general population? So you're already dealing with a small portion of the uh, general population that yeah. have severe psychiatric illnesses yes. and then of those is is there you know do 25 percent of people with severe schizophrenia wind up in a catatonic state at some point or is it much less than that it's, it's hard to get a gauge yeah yeah it's, it's hard to gauge I, I would think it's much less than that yeah i think uh you know current estimates in like for an in for people who are in the hospital mm-hmm. people estimate you know something less than 10 percent 
or catatonic. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's a it's a fairly rare, unusual thing. And do most people who enter a catatonic state through support and treatment eventually come out of it? They do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's unless it's malignant catatonia, and that's where there could be more of of a pernicious issue or even with malignant catatonia do people tend to come out yeah i think with malignant catatonia if it's identified properly and treated properly uh then then they'll be okay yeah interesting and the and the treatment for especially for malignant catatonia is is shock therapy is ect Mm -hmm. which uh for the most part works very very well for catatonia um so with shock therapy and catatonia do you do it once and they're okay or is this something they're going to need lifelong or they could slip right back into it uh, it, it can go either way. Um, f- usually with with one or two treatments with, with ECT or shock therapy, they're quite a bit better. So usually they, they get better pretty quickly with it. We usually give you a shock them more. out of it. Well, there you go. Uh, it's not. It's not really the shock. Oh. It's the you know, it's the seizure. The, <laughs> right, ah, right. Long story. It's, not, what, it's yeah. not really the shock. It's, it's the, the seizure that it induces. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you've so, told us that before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so there's something about that seizure that makes people better. We don't know. We don't know why. It's not yeah. the shock that wakes them up. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not the shock that wakes them <laughs> okay. up. It's the seizure that that somehow makes them better. And uh, yeah, so I think especially in malignant catatonia, then that's more of an immediate life and death situation. So in that situation, it makes a lot more sense to do ECT. If you have treated a patient and you've got them, you know, comfortable and they're treated and they're back to being able to be out in society, uh-huh. do they remember what happened to them while they were catatonic? No, or no, or mostly no. They're yeah. not forming memories. And I'm not talking about people who lost memory because of their shock therapy. Right. Because doesn't that make you lose memories around the time of your it, shock it does, therapy? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you're saying in general, the person's in the hospital, and I'm sure pe- doctors are doing all sorts of tests on them to try to make sure they're okay. Right. They don't remember. They don't recall any of that. They they recall little or none of it, or little or none, which is kind of in line with. I mean, usually people who are severely psychiatrically ill in the first place don't remember much about their illness. Oh, later okay. On so anyway. even even yeah. a, you know a schizophrenic who's having a real bad time, or what about a manic? You know, you're in a severe manic episode. You have to be hospitalized for that. They're they're not really yes. forming memories of. Yeah, they're not they're not forming memories that well. Usually, usually when they're over their spell, they just kind of have a fuzzy memory of what happened. Oh, okay, so it's not just this. It's it's really yeah. anything that gets that that severe. Yeah, psychiatric like, stuff in general. Like yeah. uh, manics who may go on some sort of crazy shopping spree or uh, some promiscuous sexual spree. They may not recall it at all. Unfortunately, no. Right. But the bank won't let them forget it. Will <laughs> the it? bank will not let them forget <laughs> not a, it. No. Not an escape clause for your credit <laughs> yeah. card, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's out, all right. Yeah, I'll scratch that one off. Yeah, but I was manic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try that. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they remember, but it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. All right, great. Hey, great information yeah. so far, folks. we got Dr. Steve Harvey again from Greenbrook TMS. we got to take a break, so check out his website, greenbrooktms.com, while we're on break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dr. Harvey and more Eye on Health after these words. <laughs> I'm not touching you. Right. Now that that red light's on. Yes, yeah, step away <laughs> from the TV. All right. We, we've got two TVs on in here. I can't I turn them off. Of course, the one that you can see is playing all of the stuff that yes, right. we don't want to talk well, about. Hey, now and then they're a, talking about sandwiches over here well, on Cavuto. Well, now there's a bread company commercial on. There you go. We could talk about how unfair that everywhere outside of here is called Panera Bread. Mm-hmm. Because they said no other city would eat food that said St. Louis Bread Company on it. 
We could talk we, about the unfairness of we that. We could have been known for our bread. <laughs> we could have been, we could have been known. <laughs> uh, Dr. Harvey, I have one question, um, which is a little a, a little bit of a deviation from the direct medical line of questioning. Uh-huh. You doing all right there? Oh, yeah. The, the, the microphone's funny. Uh, we okay. need to fix that. Uh, let's switch you to this mic. Oh, I think Okay, it's there you go. We're there good. you go. Okay, all right, good. good. Yeah. yeah, sorry. That's Headphones are Nobody will be too. able we'll to hear you. Yeah. I'll come help you in just a moment. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> the question is, uh-huh. you know, being catatonic is uh-huh. often used as a colloquialism. Yes. Okay. As uh-huh. a matter of fact, more people probably encounter the word in that context than in any actual medical reference. People who are not psychiatrists. That's yes. right. right. So yeah. as a psychiatrist, when you hear references to catatonia and catatonic states in the general public, yeah. where do you think, one, is there a lack of sensitivity to actual real suffering from this? And two, is it is it used generally correctly, or do people really not understand what a catatonic state truly is whenever they're saying, well, that person's catatonic? Yeah, I think... Um yeah, I think, I think, I think colloquially people use the word catatonic to just mean scared to death or not moving, and yeah. there's there's just so much more to that. So right. I think I think the colloquialism kind of kind of misses the reality of uh, of. Uh, well, as it does with almost everything he yeah. comes in and talks about, yeah. right? Yeah, which is why it's, uh, yeah, you, that's why it's nice to come and actually find out what they really are. Yeah, what did we talk about last time? Tourette's. Tourette's, Tourette's same yes. thing. I mean, that's all over the place, yeah, you know, right. with how it's misused and, and mm-hmm. all that. So it is nice to actually hear the real science behind this. And, yeah, think about maybe mm-hmm. someone really suffering with this. I mean, how scary would it be to have someone in your family have catatonia? The good news is at least it's a treatable thing, you know. It is something right. that we can at least treat as long as it's identified early. But mm-hmm. I mean, we, all, we need to remember that when we're throwing things out about anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But we never say insensitive things on Ion Health. No, we don't. No, never, <laughs> never, never. It's you know, it's a rule, Eric. It's right. just a you rule I try very, to live by. That's right. We're just a bunch of really sensitive guys. <laughs> we are. We are. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so hey, um, great information here today. It's great. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I very interesting. Um, I have seen patients with this, so it's interesting to kind of yeah. refresh my memory on it, and it's nice to understand what it now, really is. Is so. this something that you have encountered in private practice no. as, as an ophthalmologist? This was in medical school, where you yeah, they that. make you they make you rotate through psychiatry for some reason. Although they don't make psychiatrists rotate rotate through ophthalmology. That's true. We did not. talk about fairness. Right. Yeah, 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 right yeah. there. Well, so, they have yeah. to study the mind side. I think we all had to spend six weeks on psychiatry, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but it was great. Yeah. It really was great. I mean, yeah. this, these things are very common, especially when you're talking about OCD and depression and anxiety. Right. Those, of course, I deal with every single day. I mean, the, the number of Americans that have mm-hmm. those. So it is nice that they make us, no matter mm-hmm. what specialty you're going to do, you get some exposure to these things. But then you forget it after 20 years, so you bring Dr. Harvey in and he refreshes <laughs> right. your memory. There it's you great. Go. Yeah. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. Now, now, Dr. Harvey, you you typically have a handful of topics in mind that that you've been wanting to talk about. Oh yeah, we made yes. it to catatonia. What what is on your list yet for oh. for us to for future shows? Oh, for future shows, yeah. so I, I want to do uh, multiple personality disorder. That'll be fun. Oh yeah, that yeah. is going to be a hot one. Yeah. Um, also, uh, transgenders. I think that would be just an awesome topic. I would, and I'm looking yeah, for a yeah. transgender person to come on the air with me because it just kind of feels wrong for me to talk about it without someone, you know, without well, a real and, person. And here. to speak to that from like a producer's seat, 
This yeah. is it's a we're coming at it from a genuine medical standpoint. Yeah. Not this is not a uh-huh. cultural commentary on that issue. Right. This yeah, is yeah. coming at it right. from a from a practice and, and yeah. medical con- concern or uh-huh. lack thereof, you know, just to understand the issue. Better. From a medical yeah. standpoint, my biggest concern, again, not with the cultural standpoint, but from a medical standpoint, the biggest concern is the suicide rate in transgender people is outrageous it it's very high and yet for for those who are accepted by the people around them it goes down to the baseline interesting oh interesting yes. okay oh i was not yes. aware of that that's a deal well right. I, how do you quantify accepted by the people around you well i, I think like yeah 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 and, and they to some extent they do quite oh okay those. all right and i think a lot see of, that'd yeah. be an interesting study to talk about because Great the only thing i had was aware of was the ab- abnormally high suicide rate i thought didn't matter what their life uh, experience was and acceptance rate and whether right. they'd had additional surgeries. I thought none of that mattered and that the suicide rate was high no matter what. So right. these are good medical facts to talk yeah. about, oh, right? It's a great topic. Yeah. It's a great It'd be an yeah. interesting show. Yeah, it, would, yeah. and it would be even less work for me and you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to the email coming in when yeah. Dr. Harvey's next yeah. on. Yeah. A lot more you. questions, a lot less commentary. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah. always good. Yeah. Well, we're going to well, have some good topics. We will. Thanks so much for coming in. We always appreciate the information. Information. Folks, we got Dr. Steve Harvey here. Check out his website, GreenbrookTMS.com. Don't forget TMS therapy for refractory depression and now OCD. Just yes, fantastic for OCD. Fantastic. Yeah, that that's now. great. Um, so thanks so much. Check out his website, please. Stay tuned for On the Money. Yeah, I'm sure right. Bob Stockdale, another Big sensitive week. guy, is going to give <laughs> us a great, great show. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Get more at 971talk.com.